Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Joni. And this is the Grow Where You're At podcast. Where we discuss all things Appalachian and country. Now set yourself on down and learn a thing or two. And maybe laugh a time or two. Now let's hop to it. Good evening. How's it going? It's going. How are you? Well, I'm fair to Midland. Better not complain. It might get worse. <laughs> yeah, don't do us no good anyways, does it? No, because half people ain't, are glad to hear it and the other half don't care. <laughs> this sounds like last week's beginning. <laughs> it does. It does. But we're here and... We're going to do this episode, and I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> I know it. This is this is definitely one of those that you are extremely passionate about. I am. And I didn't even make notes for this week's podcast. So, <laughs> that'll tell you guys how passionate we are about, or how passionate I am about this subject. So... Well, I mean, I only made like a little bit of note, but that's just because, you know, it's been a crazy week, so we, we'll we save that one for the blooming minute. <laughs> I was about to say, on the topic of blooming minutes, do you want to start off with our blooming minute? Because you have, you have some exciting news to share. We? I know I usually go first on the blooming minute, but you're like super excited, so like... Well, I am. I have a little demon addition to the family. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he's currently sleeping on my lap at the moment. But yes, we have a, a new baby named Gunner. And he is a Texas healer, which is a red healer mixed with an Australian shepherd. And... He is very protective of his nap time. <laughs> <laughs> but he is very adorable, you guys. Yes, he's getting ready to start talking to us in a minute, I believe. He's dreaming. <laughs> hey, we, we welcome anybody's input, even if that's Gunner's. He was a wooing a minute ago. In but yes. Yes. He tickles me, I'm telling you. And... You know, one of those things is, you know, we've not had a puppy in a very long time. And, you know, getting back used to having a small, needy thing in the house is so <laughs> odd. <laughs> but know, we, we were talking about that earlier. Like, I don't think I would even know what to do with a puppy at this point because I've not had one in so long. Yes, I mean, we had our last dog, uh, we lost at the beginning of the month, uh, Bella. We had her for 15 years, and, you know, a lot has changed in 15 years, and so now it's like, I don't remember half the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing with this little thing. <laughs> I I understand. It's been two it'll be two years since i've had a puppy in the house and i just don't know that i would even know what to do with one 
But yeah, that's my blooming minute. I'm trying to keep up with a n- new little family edition and trying to keep working on chores around the house and getting wheat planted for the garden and, you know, all that good stuff. What's your blooming minute? My blooming minute is I've had time to split some wood and I have broke out the sewing machine over the weekend and started on a quilt. And I'm doing some some sewing for the company that I work for because they had some stuff done. And I wouldn't sew for just any company, but OEI has been really, really good for me and good to me. So I'll go a little bit beyond and out of my way to help them because they're really good. So I've been doing, I've been sewing this week. Yes, and that, you know, and that's one of those things where when you are happy where you're at, you truly bloom. See what I did yeah. there? Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, you really have bloomed since you've been doing your current occupation. And I just feel a lot happier. And so, I'm, you know, working for them has allowed me to do the things that I do. And just help the people I help. And, you know, working where I work at has kind of led to this podcast and why we do this podcast. Yes. Because I I saw firsthand that there was a need for not only the podcast, but also just a resource for people to be able to reach out and be like, hey, I have this question and I don't know who else to ask. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, honestly, the thing about it is a lot of the stuff you find on, you know, YouTube or the internet and stuff, a lot of them always want to portray that, you know, Pinterest-style homestead, and that's not real life. I do not know how many people it took to get them in that position where it looks so perfect, but, honey, it ain't happening in real life. (laughs) It's not, and you know, the people who show it on Pinterest, or on YouTube, or on TikTok, um, they've been doing it for a long, long time, and they're just now showing you, and they only show you the good parts of it. They're not showing you the bad parts of it. Um, yeah, I think they're staging it, basically. They are staging it, and there is one podcast, um, and she does a lot of YouTube, but it's The Roots and Refuge with Jess Sowers, and she does a lot of real life so she doesn't edit it out as much but it's still edited even ours is edited in some spots especially if we have podcasts like we had that time that I mean it was just horrible because it kept cutting out so much we had to edit so much of that out but it wasn't because we didn't want you to hear what we had to say or we said something we didn't want you to hear it was legit you could not understand what was being said so we just took those little blurbs out Yes, but other than that, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of with us and our Facebook page and our, you know, our small following as it is right now is, you know, we're pretty real and raw and honest about things, so. We are, and you know, there may be some podcasts where it sounds a little funny, it's just because I want you to understand, like, yeah, I would love to take that out and love to have, you know a high quality podcast like a lot of things are going on that right now but I also want you guys to understand that hey it's not perfect we 
we have mishaps too. Yes. And that's just part of life. And if it sounds perfect, it's because they've spent way too much money on way too fancy of equipment with too much help in the background and, you know, all those other things that, you know, are not necessary for day-to-day living, basically. Exactly. And, you know, we don't, we don't have the resources because we're, we're right there with the people that we're making this podcast for. Exactly. We've just had it a little bit longer than, you know, and we found ways around some adversities. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes, we have. And we want you guys to see the whole picture, not just what we want you to see. Yeah. I mean, ain't no shame in our game. Absolutely not. There is no shame in my game. Like, a coworker and I were talking that, you know, some people match, you know, their whole outfit matches. And I was like, listen, y'all are lucky if my socks match. And the only reason I have shoes on is because there was frost on the ground this morning. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm pretty sure. I don't even think I've put socks on in the last few days. Well, I had socks on the other day, but the puppy carried them off. So, you know. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. I'm... 99% of the time, if I can be barefoot, I am barefoot. Yes, absolutely. Shoes are too restrictive. And we are way off topic. (laughs) I was about to say, I think we're off topic. But you know what? It's real and it's raw. And (laughs) it, that, yes, shoes make me feel claustrophobic. (laughs) Yes. I get grouchy if I have to wear shoes too often. (laughs) Hmm. Like little demon dog over here with his naps getting interrupted. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this week we're talking all about preserving and cooking wild game. We and, are. And we do. I want y'all to understand. We really enjoy a lot of this that we're going to talk about. Because number one. It's organic, it's fresh, it's good food. A lot of people nowadays have hang-ups on eating wild game. But until you try it, you're never going to know if you like it or not. And a lot of it is leaner, it's more vitamins, more minerals, etc. So, but Miss Emily is going to... Lead this one in a. I'm just going to take a back seat and let you handle it. And if I um, have anything to add, I'll add. But okay. And before we get started, we do have to do our a wow. Our yes, we do. Part of the week. We're we're excited for this one. So this podcast. So you know we're we're trying not to get too far yeah. ahead of ourselves. So before I forget, our Appalachian word of the week, and what I think. This also came from our good friend, Hassel, because I had asked him a while back, give me a list of words. And so this one came from the Hassel list. Yes. And it is gum, which I pronounced it super long because it, you, 
it's hard to it's hard to understand if you don't over exaggerate the pronunciation of it. Yeah, because if I was just talking, it would just be gummed, gummed, or gummed, <laughs> or gummed up. Yeah, but gum, gum, and you know, it's all gummed up, which is usually stopped up, messed up, or it can be energy. It it can be energy. It can be interchanged with doggone it. Or dad gum, or something like that. It can also be used in lieu of using an unfavorable word. But in most contexts, it's like it's all gummed up. Mm-hmm. It's all messed up. It's all, you know, stopped up. Yeah. It's all cattywampus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but. All right, now that we've got our Appalachian word of the week out of the way, I think we're going to move on to our topic of the week. And I'm super excited about it because, like I told you guys last week, if it wasn't for Davy, I would not have any kind of store-bought meat. And I would probably not even have any kind of... I would probably have beef and chicken occasionally. But I live off of wild game that's my preferred protein source so i eat a lot of deer yes she does i do i i probably could eat two to three deer by myself in a year's time from hunting season to hunting season and i'm currently out of deer meat so y'all brace yourselves (laughs) oh goodness But I'm hiding, have, y'all. I'm hiding. <laughs> I have found that I do feel a lot better. And this is different for everybody. And everybody's body is different. So what works for my body may not necessarily work for everybody else. But I find that I feel a lot better physically and mentally when I eat more wild game, particularly deer. Because I get the nutrients I need because I am probably the world's worst for taking a multivitamin. If I can get by with eating my vitamins and eating my nutrients versus taking a supplement, I'm going to do it. Now, if you need to take a supplement, take your supplements. Do what you need to do to make sure that your body is healthy as can be. But that's just me and how my body works and how my metabolism works. It's just how my body chemistry is made up. So there is a multitude of different ways that you can fix deer meat. But before we get into fixing that deer meat... Joni, you also have a lot of other wild games that you wanted to mention in there. Yes. Um, you know, I think to start off, we should just list, like, all of the wild game. And, yes, please be sure that you, if you do decide that you want to harvest some wild game to eat, that you do have the proper licensing. <laughs> and the proper we don't want. Yes, we don't want anyone to get in trouble. Um, there is a season for every type of game. so. But, you know, most of it is wintertime. But, yeah. It goes um, into fall and winter. Because, and, and the reason for that is is most of the t- that's primary the breeding season. 
And so you're going to be able to very clearly tell the difference between bucks and does. And, you know, there's no juveniles or infants who are not quite independent on their own yet. So that's why a lot of the seasons do come in the fall of the year is because that's breeding season versus birthing, hatching, nursing season. Yes, plus in cold weather you can harvest an animal and, you know, it's a little bit safer than if it's hot. I mean, but, um, so I think we should start with the fact that you have everything from different fish that you can harvest in fall and winter trout. Um, I know, especially here that, you know, we have, um, trout stocking that starts in October and runs through like May. Um, so there's trout, there's crawdads um then you've got duck and dove and grouse pheasant quail turkeys um squirrels rabbit deer elk bear and those are just local to us and that's not you know you might live somewhere where you have you know axis deer or moose or you know deer or other things like that Yes. And in our particular region, um, let me throw this out there. In our particular region, the elk hunts are done by lotteries. And your name gets put into a pot and it's drawn out for the elk harvest. Everything else is pretty well covered. Virginia hunting license. You, I think you have to get additional licensure for waterfowl and stuff like that. Big game. Big game. Yeah, migratory game. Yeah. But it's um, usually covered under, and you, if, you, if you go to wherever you're trying to get your licensure from or whatever weapon you're choosing to use, they can kind of tell you what you're going to need for the yes, game. And, and your conservation, wildlife, however you want to, however your state labels it, they will have a website most times, um, which is another thing I was going to add before we get too deep into this is there's also a very good, very good recipe section on the DWR website about cooking wild game. It is, and I will attach that in the podcast notes because I use that website quite oftenly and quite frequently. Just if I need to identify something while I'm out and about somewhere or I want to know something about our particular area or just in our state in general, I'm going to refer to the DGIF, which is the Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, or you just Google DWR, Department of Wild Resources. Yes. But now that we've got that covered, are we going to are we going to step into the world of wild game preparation and preservation and preparation? <laughs> I got my toes in the water. Okay, well, I'm like out here knee deep in it, so let's, we're just going to go. So, first things first, if you do happen to harvest any kind of animal, whatever it is, no matter what it is, depending upon the temperature outside, you're more than likely going to want to field dress it, which is just, you're taking all of the entrails outside and you're cooling the body temperature down of that animal to where it's not going to spoil. This weather we've had this week... It's not really a good time to harvest, and it's just because it's too warm. 
not saying that it can't be done, but you have to be extremely diligent in this type of weather. I don't like cold at all, but for a good hunk of deer meat, I will brave gale force winds. But you're going to want to field dress it, and once you get it field dressed, then you get it back to wherever it is that you're going to process it. You're going to want to strip it down if it's, so we're just going to go with deer or bear or elk for, for this little bit of it. So you're going to want to get that skin off of it. However you choose to hang it is however you personally choose to hang it. Whatever is best for you. And if we need to do videos or something like that, somebody needs to know how to process that or skin it, shoot us, let us know, you know. Shoot us a message, leave us a comment, leave us a question, something like that. Because there are multiple different ways. It just depends on whatever's easiest for you. And then you're going to want to take that hide off to make sure that, you know, that meat's still cooling down. And you want to get it as cool and at a maintainable temperature as possible. Yes. Um, you know, you're either going to want it to be freezing cold outside where you can leave, you know, like... If it's cold enough, we we prefer to leave deer hanging to bleed out and to cool down if it's cold enough. If not, you're going to want to break it down and get it froze. Or at least get it in your fridge as soon as possible. Temperature To, to leave a deer or any kind of wild game outside to hang overnight or for any period of time you're going to want it to be 32 Freezing. degrees or hovering right at that 32 degree mark you know just to keep it safe for consumption any any warmer than that then it's just it's too risky and i i personally will not let it hang but it's kind of the same principle as when they age beef but the beef is in a, a refrigerated space and it's temperature controlled and it's air controlled and all of that stuff. So hanging a deer overnight at 32 degrees is not not going to spoil your meat. It's going to preserve it. And it's going to make it taste yummy. It will make it taste yummy. It, the, it will make it a little more tender. It'll make it, you know, I don't know. It's just I can tell by eating a piece of deer meat, whether it has been hung or whether it's been broke down and put in the fridge or broke down and put straight in the freezer yes because it's it's very tender it's very lean it's very it's just it's got an overall better quality to the meat so that's why we prefer hunting when it's really cold <laughs> yes and like i said you know i hate the cold but if it means that i have to put 15 layers on and if I, heaven forbid I should fall down because I'm going to have to have help getting back up. But if that means I can get, you know, a good deer, then I'm going to do it. Because it's, it's just safer and there's nothing better than being able to just let your deer hang. Um, but once you're, you know, once you're done field dressing it and you've got it back and you've got it skint and it's hanging, then you're going to want to break it apart and break it down. And that just pretty much entails taking the shoulders off of it, taking the tenderloin off of it, and taking the back legs off of it, or what we call a ham. So you've got shoulders, tenderloins, and hams. And, and sweet meat. I was about to say, and for those a little more advanced, it's what they call the sweet meat, which is the tenderloin on the inside of the of the carcass on the rib cage next to the spine. Mm -hmm. and once you, I know. 
I know. There's nothing better than the sweet meat because it is probably, it's like the filet mignon of deer. Yes. And I'm just going to interject. If you ever get a chance to eat sweet meat, the only way to cook it is to slice it thin and fry that. Mm. Talk about lip smacking. And, and you got to fry it in a cast iron skillet and you got to fry it in bacon grease. <laughs> yes. And maybe throw some onion in there. <laughs> And if, if you need a little bit of extra extra grease in there or a little bit of extra oil in there, throw you, you know, a decent slide slab of butter in there. Nothing better. Yes. And I just ate before this podcast that I'm probably going to have to eat again because my mouth's watering. <laughs> yes. But, you know, and then you, once you get that deer broke down, you can use the shoulders. The shoulders are typically a little bit more tougher because, you know, that, that's just how it is. The shoulders are just typically a little bit tougher than the tenderloin and the ham and the sweet meat. We're going to want to group the tenderloin and the sweet meat to kind of together. Yes, but, those are those are what you want to pan fry with the grease, the butter, the, the good stuff. And you can bread it with a little bit of seasoned flour and fry it up in cast iron and mm, good stuff. Yes, absolutely. And then, and you me, know, you're, go ahead. And me personally, we take and cube up the meat from the shoulders and the hams usually and can it for deer stew later in the winter. Mm. Yes, or deer jerky. Yes, your shoulders, if, if you're not skilled at taking deer meat apart, which I've been doing it since I could walk pretty much, so... Me breaking down a deer versus somebody who's not skilled at it breaking down a deer, it's going to look different. But you can take the meat from the shoulders, and as long as you get all of the sinew, which is kind of like, it looks like a rainbow on that lays on top of the meat. You want to make sure you get all of that off and make sure you get all the fat off. And you can freeze it and use it for deer jerky because it is going to be tougher. And so we always use the shoulder meat for jerky or it's really really good if if you pressure can it and you pressure can it correctly there's nothing better i prefer it as an as a pulled pork substitute um it can be used in anything and like Joni mentioned you know be used in a soup or a stew in the middle of winter the hams, you can take the hams apart and you can leave them in whole roasts and you can cook them similar to how you cook a beef roast, but you're going to have to do some things different with it just for the simple fact that it is a leaner meat and it doesn't have the marbling and it doesn't have all of the fat that a beef roast is going to. So you're going to have to make sure you have copious amounts of liquid because if you don't, it's going to be dry, it's going to be tough, and it's going to be like shoe leather. The more you chew it, the the bigger it seems to get if it's prepared incorrectly. So chunking it up and putting it in cans and canning it and putting it in soups and stews and stuff like that is always a really good option if you're new to the wild game world. And that's kind of universal. I personally don't know how to prepare bear because I have never prepared it, but I'm looking forward to trying it. It is the best thing in the world. <laughs> and Joni I mean, will, uh, that is a heel Joni is willing to die on <laughs> it is I mean if you have a pressure cooker 
and you put a big old hunk of bear meat in there and you pressure cook it and you add some barbecue sauce in there, you're going to think you ate the best steak in the world. And I have heard that from so many people that, you know, if prepared correctly, it is the best meat you will eat in the world. And I'm going to jump a little bit off topic here, but where bears have so much grease and fat on them, at one point in time, the rendered down lard from those bear, from the bear fat, was actually considered more valuable than currency during the frontier. Yes. And that is also one of the reasons why a lot of people, you know, a lot of the old timers, they either are going to tell you that it's the best thing in the world or they're going to tell you it's the worst thing in the world. And usually it's because they've gotten some that somebody has cooked and they did not properly prepare the meat. And it is very greasy. It is very fatty. And it does not taste that good if you leave all that stuff on there. It doesn't. Now, you can take what we're going to call the tallow, which is pretty much just the fat from either a deer or a bear, but you're going to, you can take all of that and of course render it down into a more edible version, but you don't want to cook it with your meat and because it just, it offsets the flavor so bad and it makes it taste so much different than what just that lean chunk of meat will taste like. So you're going to want to make sure when you're cleaning your game that you're getting all of the sinew off of it. And what the sinew is, is like I said, it looks like a rainbow across the top of the meat and it's what connects the muscle to muscle and skin to muscle so you're going to want to make sure you get all of that off and make sure you get all of your fat off of it because that fat like I said it will make your food taste different and you don't want your meat to be tainted by the taste of the fat in it another side quest it also makes really good skin moisturizer Absolutely, and deer tallow is a great waterproofing agent to put on, like, if you've got leather boots and you want them to be, you know, you need them to be a little more weatherproof, make you a hunk of deer fat and rub on there, but there are multiple uses for that fat instead of just discarding it. Yes, because we, you know, just to expand on that for two seconds, when we harvest animals, we try to use as much as possible from that animal so as none of it goes to waste and that animal didn't give its life for nothing exactly and you know i'm still dabbling in the whole tate and hides thing which i'm still learning how to do that and so that's a learning process but yes we try to utilize every part of that animal that way nothing is left to waste and i think that kind of covers our four-legged creatures do we want to move mm. on? I mean, in in the brief, in the big, in the yeah, big picture the, of things. Yeah, um, we've given recipe, and you know, we've talked about how to prepare. Pretty much, that would be one of those things that carries across to all of your quote unquote big game. So yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was just. Looking at, you know, time frames and stuff like that. But if you guys need more wild game recipes or if there's a demand for, like, a cookbook or something like that, just let us know. But 
the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries does have a lot of good recipes on it. And let me just throw this in there. If you guys are new to the world of wild game, go to a really, really well-trusted friend who harvests wild game and ask them to prepare you some wild game. Because if you eat it once where it's not prepared correctly, it's going to put you off from ever wanting to try it again. And so I always tell people, I'm like, well, if you want to try deer meat and you've never tried it before, let me fix you deer meat. Don't have Billy Bob down here who doesn't maybe know how to prepare it correctly. Prepare it for you. Let me fix it for you so you, because I know how I fixed it and this is how I eat it and this is what I live off of. Let me fix it for you. And if you still choose to not like it, then I've done my due diligence to make sure it was prepared for you in the best manner possible. So if you're new to wild game, make sure you have somebody prepare it for you that knows what they're doing. Yes. And the only other thing I'm going to add is you can't go wrong with a little bit of garlic powder and some rosemary. Oh, never. (laughs) If, If you pretty much any of these, you know, species... Well, minus the trout and the crawdads, because I don't think that would taste it good. But <laughs> any of the other stuff, you can't go wrong with a little bit of garlic powder and some rosemary. That's all I got to say. I would even put the garlic powder on the trout. No, <laughs> uh, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> Lemon pepper trout's pretty good. I will say that. Yes. Some butter. I will some agree. Lemon pepper seasoning, or if you're like me and you don't like the commercially produced lemon pepper you make your own and put it on some trout and i will eat a whole pan by myself mm-hmm. and i'm just going to throw this in here and this is my personal opinion if somebody disagrees with me then it is a free country and you are more than welcome to disagree with me but i don't like to eat trout when it's caught in the springtime in the summertime because i feel like it tastes like mud i prefer my fish my trout to be caught when there's ice on the water Mm-hmm. Because it tastes better. It's like a fresher taste. It's just all around a better tasting fish. And it's more tender. I I agree with that. I mean, I believe it is a lot more tender if it's caught later in the season when it's colder. Agreed. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, pretty much any of this can be canned. It can be frozen. It can be brined. It can be made into jerkies. Um, There are so many options for preserving and cooking wild game. And, you know, with the um, amount of food insecurity that we have in our region, a lot of people rely on wild game more than, you know, um, what am I trying to say? How am I trying to say that Um, where it makes sense? it's commercially produced meat and that just pretty much means that it was you know it was in a feedlot and then it went to the packer and then it came to wherever you purchase your meat from and so that's kind of why i call it commercially produced because these are large operations that are producing your meat i'm not knocking them i'm just saying that was a lot of the food insecurities i i've never really depended upon commercially produced meats but they are good to have there but As Jenny was saying, especially with the food insecurities going on, a lot of people depend upon the wild game. 
Yes. And once you do dabble, I will say the word dabble. If you, once you do that, you're, you're going to learn what you do like and you don't like. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, wild turkey is not my favorite thing to eat. I mean, commercial turkey isn't either, but. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not a huge turkey fan, so. If I had my preferences, like, I would take a wild turkey over, you know, a, a grocery store turkey. But if I had my preferences, I would rather have a hunk of deer meat or elk meat. <laughs> but yeah. I cut my teeth on deer meat, literally. So, you know, it's just one of those things. But once you do start to dabble, you'll be like, why? Like, you'll go to taste and stuff in the store and you're like, this doesn't taste good. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. But it just doesn't taste good yeah and you know especially you know and this is going to sound odd but if you're anemic especially like an iron deficient anemic that extra proteins those extra i want to say you know nutrients and minerals in wild game are a little bit more prolific than in store-bought meats so yes i could go on i could do like two three whole episodes about the differences in meats but we don't have time for that <laughs> no we don't but we have talked about in you know um in the past couple months especially you know we have had conversations about you know possibly making a wild game cookbook yes because i feel like there is a need for it um like I said, Davey, he would not, when we first got together, he would not eat deer meat. And then one day I, he had harvested a deer and I fried up some deer meat. And now he will, it's almost like a fight to the death over who's going to eat that last hunk of fried deer meat out of the pan. And that's just because it had never been prepared correctly for him. But, you know, it. It's just a whole different world, and when you open it up, it's just, it's almost like Pandora's box. Like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yes, because you're going to have something that's your favorite. Like, you know, um, I will recommend that if you do go for wild game, start with something good like deer or rabbit if you want to go for smaller game. Because, you know, those are the ones that are... Um, I guess the, the more the most common and it's not so like almost like taboo to eat. Yeah. You know, or it's not it's not as intimidating to eat a, a deer or a rabbit versus eating something like a squirrel. Or, you know, I I know how to effectively prepare and harvest migratory birds and stuff like that but is it going to be something that i want to do not necessarily can i do it absolutely but am i going to want to do that mm, maybe not yeah. but and, i, I and, have seen some really good recipes that i'm like oh i need somebody to go hunt me a dove up so i can try this recipe <laughs> but yeah i mean um that is just one of those you know we want anybody to have the information to start with. And 
as always, if there are more questions, there are more, if you want us to expand on a certain species or you want us to expand on a certain preparation, we are more than glad to do that. Y'all just, you know, leave us a message here, go to our Facebook page, any of the above. We will be more than glad to expand on this stuff. Absolutely. And if there are need for videos on how to, like I said, skin and or what we call quartering up a deer or, you know, even cutting it off the bone. If there's more, if there's a demand for that, then just let us know because I would be more than happy to show you guys how, how I do it. And you guys have to remember when I do it, I've been doing it for 20 years. So that's just, it's just how it works better in my hands. But and when it comes to fowl of all kinds, the basic steps to preparation are pretty much the same. You know, you're going to probably want to either, you're going to want to skin it or you're going to want to pluck it. Skinning is probably going to be the easiest way to go about it. But if you're like me and you prefer to have the skin on, then... You know, you're going to have to go through the whole process of making sure you know how to pluck a bird and do all of these things. Yeah, there's more than one way to skin a chicken. (laughs) Or a goose or, you know, something like that. Um, And I will say, don't knock it till you try it. Because I like squirrel and dumplings. So instead of chicken and dumplings, I would prefer to have squirrel and dumplings. Just my personal preference. And Um, I like baked rabbit. And, you know, we're not huge bird eaters <laughs> so no. i do no. i do like our you know home raised chickens those are different they but you know different. and and i know that we're getting ready to wind this up but i am going to go off on one little bitty tangent okay and y'all y'all I'm just have for to it. forgive me for it but there is also a positive without getting too far into my belief system and my beliefs of things. I prefer anything that I know where it came from, what got put into it, what it got fed, if it's gotten any antibiotics or hormones or who knows these days with all this lab grown meat stuff going around. It's, you know, that's one of those things where if, if you harvest, putting it nicely, your whether it's your backyard chickens, your wild game, whatever, you know where it came from. You know what's gone into it pretty much. It's just a cleaner, healthier way of having that protein source. It is. And along the lines of that, because I know we're getting ready to wrap up. I just want to say to all of those either beginners out there or the females out there who are going down this road, listen, you guys, anytime you harvest an animal, it's okay to try because I'm 30 years old. I have been hunting all my life and almost every single time that I harvest any kind of animal, I cry. Last year when I harvested a deer, I called my dad and wept like a child. And you know what? It's okay to do that because it's a part of the process. If you get to the point to where you don't feel some kind of sadness, 
for taking another life, then, you know, you've got some serious issues and you need to go seek some, some help for that. But I just want them to understand that it is okay to feel those emotions and it is okay to cry. Because yes. I cry every time. Yes. I remember. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I remember when you were 13 and you shot a deer where we used to live and yes it was adorable i'm sorry <laughs> and i fought tears the whole day <laughs> yeah because it it is an emotional process and it's okay to feel those emotions and it's okay to cry it's okay to release those emotions i don't care if your mom dad brother sister uncle cousin whatever whoever you're hunting with if you're hunting with somebody they tell you, suck it up, don't cry. No, you tell them that I said it was okay to cry. Auntie M said it was okay for me to cry. <laughs> yes. And, you know, honestly, and that leads back to the point where we were talking about, you know, when we do harvest an animal, we do try to make sure that we use every bit that we can for the reason of usually, you know, you do get emotional sometimes. And, that's okay, but that's also why you want to use as much as possible from that animal because it did sacrifice its life to sustain yours. And, you know, like with deer, you know, we tan the hides and we get buckskin. And, you know, I've made everything from home decorations to uh, hair clips to whatever, you know, using fur from rabbits and buckskins and turkey feathers and you know things like that so there's always something else that you can do with those parts that you don't necessarily eat yes so the waste products there's always a something else for the waste products but <clears throat> i think we've almost hit our time limit so are yes. we going to go into it are we going to do our growing minute and then i think we're gonna try to head off to bed Yes, ma'am. Uh, what is your growing minute for the week? My growing minute is I'm just going to try to make it through this week because this week is super busy for me. So I'm just going to try to make it through this week and just enjoy the the Indian summer we're having because it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Yes, ma'am. It's going to be cold. Journey, what's your growing minute? Oh, uh, <coughs> like you said, we're we have a little bit of a warmth for the next three or four days, I believe. So that goes back to the fall chores, trying to get some things done, um, trying to get the home ready for the colder weather coming in, and trying to spoil a puppy. I I totally agree. Both of mine are in here on the floor laying asleep because every Tuesday they come in and sleep <laughs> while we're doing this podcast. So I'm glad that you now once again get to enjoy that, the the joy of having a fur and a furry thing with you while you're doing your podcast. Yes, even though I might call him a demon dog every once in a while, he's adorable. I call ours hellhounds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hmm. Or fat boy people. <laughs> uh, 
It's amazing but, how many times that we get these nicknames for our animals. Yes, it is. But I'm glad we got to do this podcast, and I'm glad I got to, you know, finally talk about one of my huge passions, which is wild game. And we we did this podcast. And like I've said multiple times, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave us a message here on Spotify. You can leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts and or our Facebook page. And if you're not comfortable asking those questions, just shoot us a message. One of us will be more than glad to answer your questions. And if we need to elaborate on it further, we may do a podcast episode on it. If we get enough questions and concerns, then we may do, you know, a, a Q&A podcast. But if you guys have any further questions about anything that we've covered in this podcast or other podcasts, just feel free and let us know. Yeah. Until next week. Remember to grow where you're at. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. It's real and it's raw. Now go forth and be barefoot and feral. And most importantly, remember to grow where you're at. Bye.